Hello and welcome to The Lone Ranger from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. With a speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Hyo Silver, the Lone Ranger. Indian companion Toto, the daring and resourceful masked rider of the plains, led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. Nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, Silver. Let's go, big fellow. Will Schroeder, head of the band of settlers who arrived from the east, prepared to go to the Prairie Junction General Store. Before he left the wagon, he spoke to his wife, Effie, and his young daughter, Anne. The captain at Fort Madison said I'd have instructions waiting for me here about when we pick up the soldiers who are going to guard our train from here west. When are the soldiers coming? Your father will find out now, Anne. They're not due for three or four days, I imagine. But you stay here. I won't be long. Pop Grogan, owner of the general store, greeted Schroeder, then pointed to a man in soldier's uniform. A red-haired, scar-faced man. The sergeant here just got in with new orders this morning. He says you keep going west from here without stopping. You're right, sergeant? Yeah, that's right. The engines just signed a treaty with us. Major Ingram won't be here tomorrow like he said, and there won't be any more troops to guard you going west. Only me. 
I'll guide you on from here. Well, I'm sure glad to hear the Indians signed a treaty. Everyone else will be, too, but going on with only one soldier... That's the way the orders read. You'll be safe, mister. Plenty safe. Now, let's get going. Can't we remain here for the day? I'm sorry. Orders are orders. Mine are to take you right away. Well, if the Army says so, all right. How many you got in your party? Men, I mean. Sixty-three men. That many, huh? Yeah, never mind. You get your wagons together and we'll set out right away. Will Schroeder, driving the lead wagon, spoke over his shoulder to his wife, busy inside the wagon. Mighty pretty country now, Effie. Getting wild, too. We ought to be stopping soon, oughtn't we? I reckon so. We've been driving all day. But that's up to the sergeant. Say, what's keeping Anne so quiet? She's disappointed, Will, because she hasn't seen the great lot of soldiers she was expecting to see. She's sitting in that empty trunk with the lid up sulking and not saying a word. Well, maybe that's good. You hurry what you're doing and look at this scenery, Uppy. Gee, Remus! Gee! band of Indians, more than 200 of them, were in war paint. They sat astride their horses, shielded by the vast expanse of giant boulders, waiting word from their chief, Big Stone, who was looking down on the trail below. On another horse beside the chief was a bearded white man dressed in filthy buckskin clothes. He was looking at the eastern horizon through field glasses. Suddenly, renegade Rafe Allen tensed as he spoke to Chief Big Stone. Hey, Chief, I see him. Wagon train's coming. There's not even an advance guard in front of them. Just good old Miles Claver riding out in front. Dressed in the uniform of that soldier he killed and looking pleased as punch. We get ready. Make attack. The wagon train, ten miles out of Prairie Junction, was nearing the wide curve in the road. When Will Schroeder, looking upward, saw the Indians massed on a hill. Sergeant, look! Indians in the hills! Indians, hold up your wagons! Indians! His loud shouts oh. were to the men in soldier's uniform oh. riding far in front of him and oh. to the men driving the wagons in the rear. Bewildered, Will Schroeder and the men behind him stopped their horses and wagons. Oh. And at the same moment, the Indians, with blood-curdling whoops, started down from the hills, shooting as they came. Will! Will, they're attacking us! They'll kill us! That fool soldier, he leads us into this, and now look, he's riding off towards the engines. One of the men from the rear of the train galloped up beside Will Schroeder's wagon. Oh, 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 boy. Well, they've tricked us. We got a fight and they have us outnumbered. What do we do? What can we do? We got to make a run for it. Try to get someplace where we can hold them off. We have some good riflemen, Will. If we circle the wagon... No, it's too late for that. We've got to try and save the women and kids. We're going to head for those hills up there. Ride back and tell our men. Quick. Right. Come on, get up, boys. Get up there. Get up. The Indians, riding hard, caught up with the wagons before the settlers could reach a point of defense. The white men shot with deadly effect from the wildly careening wagons, and the Indian casualties were many. But the settlers were outnumbered, and their ammunition was soon spent. The foam-flecked horses fell under the red men's bullets, and soon flaming arrows were being shot at the wrecked canvas-covered wagons. Will Schroeder and his band surrendered to the Indians. Their casualties were few, but their spirits were dead.
The wagons were in flames as the settlers were led up into the wilderness called the Gray Hills. Only two persons smiled in the entire group of Indians and captives. They were the two white men who rode with the Indians, bearded Rafe Allen and the red-haired man in soldier's uniform, Miles Kleber. Miles, those soldiers from Fort Taylor are going to get the surprise of their lives when they march into Prairie Junction three days from now and find you've trooped off with their little pigeons. This is only the beginning, Rafe. I'll make them pay. I'll make every white person in this country pay, soldiers and anybody else. Yeah, they'll teach them not to treat their own again the way they treated us. They'll never have the chance to learn. If I can keep Chief Big Stone riled up, there'll never be any more white people with a chance to be treated anyway, except by us. Yeah, except by us. Yeah, that's right. We'll kill them all. Only after we've given them a taste of the gauntlet and some other little things that only we can show them. Hey, look at them, the pale-faced varmints. Look at them slowing down. Hey, you! I mean you, Shorter. Keep moving fast. Never mind your wife. She can't keep up with you. Let her fall. We'll take care of her. <laughs> yeah, we'll take care of her. The Lone Ranger and Toto were riding through the hills away from every trail when Toto saw the smoke rising into the sky miles distant. They rode to the scene of the ambush. Who's over? Who? He's just kidding me. Come on. He's just gone. They found the dead amid the ruins of the burning wagons and on the ground the prints of hoofs and feet. No shoes on horses. Maybe horses belong to Indians. And the footprints are those of men and women. There are plenty of arrows and wagon. Indians make them prisoner. I don't understand this, Toto. This must be the wagon train that was due at Prairie Junction. When I spoke to Major Ingram at Fort Taylor a few weeks ago, he said his soldiers were going to escort the train. Ah. And him say the train leave end a week. Which would have been three days from now. Toto. Kimisabi, what you see? Why you draw gun? Get your gun ready, Toto. See that trunk away over there? No, me not see. Oh, Kimasabi. Cover moving trunk. Yes, there's someone in there. Keep your gun aimed at it. We're going to see who's hiding in that trunk. Stealthily, the masked man and the Indian made their way to the trunk. Then, as the lone ranger stood in front of it with his revolver drawn, Toto walked behind and pulled back the lid. <laughs> All right, you in there. Stand up with your hands high. Stand up, I said. <laughs> Yes, sir. I'll get out. Kimasabi, it's little girl. An Indian. Oh, please don't kill me. Take it easy. Wait. Don't kill me. Ann Schroeder, who, playing in her father's trunk, had been jounced off the covered wagon during the flight, was white with terror. Her eyes seemed about to burst from her head as she beheld the Indian and the masked man. No. No, don't kill me. Oh, please don't kill me. We won't hurt you, please. Take my mommy and daddy, but don't kill me. Easy. Nine-year-old Ann Schroeder was badly frightened. But the Lone Ranger, by his soothing manner and words, convinced the girl that he and Toto were friends. Finally, her sobs subsiding, she told them the story of what had happened. When she had finished, the Lone Ranger took her by the hand and led her to his horse. We're going to take you back to Prairie Junction, Miss Ann, and have the people come back here and bury the dead. Fort Taylor is too far from here, and I... I want to go to Mommy and Daddy. I don't want to go anyplace else. We'll go after the man. But we'll need other men to go with us. We also want to make sure that you're safe. 
We go back to town, Kimosabe? Yes, it's no more than ten miles to Prairie Junction. We can leave the girl there and use the telegraph. Oh, you send a message to soldier? That's right. Fort Taylor's another ten miles to the south, and a wire will be faster. They'll have to send the men from Fort Taylor if they hope to rescue the prisoners. Now, what we do then, Kimosabe? I'll decide after I get a return message from Major Ingram. Come in. Let me help you onto my horse. There you are. Hold tight now, Anne. Easy, steady, big fellow. Here we go. Montelier! The Lone Ranger and Tonto arrived in Prairie Junction with Ann Schroeder. They tied their horses in the thicket behind the stagecoach depot and headed for the rear of that building, intent on sending a telegraph message to Major Ingram at Fort Taylor. But the two men stopped in their tracks when they saw a uniformed figure emerge from the side door of the building and start towards a black horse tethered to a hitching post. Kimosabe, see who man is. Yes, Tonto. It's Major Ingram himself, ah. and he's here in town. Uh, him going to right way? Then hurry to him. I'll stay here. Ask him if he'll please come here. I must see him at once. Tonto hurried to Major Ingram, spoke to him, and returned with the officer to the spot where the Lone Ranger waited with Ann Schroeder. Major Ingram, who had been aided by the Lone Ranger when he first took command at Fort Taylor, greeted the masked man grimly. Mr. Uh, Frentano says you were about to send a telegram to the fort, but you couldn't have. The wires are down between here and there. Undoubtedly cut by the Indians who attacked the wagon train. Uh, Tonto told you? Yes. My aide and two enlisted men drove in from the fort with me when we found the wire was dead. We weren't due till tomorrow. Then Pop Grogan told me about the wagon train leaving, and Tonto told me the rest. The man who led the wagon train away wasn't a soldier, but I know who he was now. Pop Grogan described him. It was Miles Claver. The renegade? Yes, and blood brother of the white man's most dangerous enemy, Chief Bigstone. If Claver's in this territory, Rafe Allen must be with him. Yes, you're right. They're partners. You saw the evidence that there were many Indians? Judging by the hoof prints, I'd say more than a hundred, Major. Possibly twice that. Uh, then my aide will have to ride to the fort and get a company of men. The two other men with me are out trying to trace the cut in the telegraph wire. Major, by the time your men get back here to Prairie Junction, it'll be late evening. Ten miles on the horseback, Yes, I know. It? I know. It'll be midnight before they can get back here. Tonto and I know where the trail leads. Tonto said they went into the Gray Hills. That's right. While you wait, Major, we'll follow that trail and try to locate the spot where the Indians camp. If we find it, Tonto will ride back along the trail and tell you where it is. Good. Come in. Stay with me. I'll look after you till we find your father and mother. Oh, thank you. Goodbye, Ann. We'll see you, Major. Let's go, Tonto. Uh, adios, mister. Bye. The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger adventure. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments.
Now to continue. The full moon was high when the Lone Ranger and Tonto, having followed the trail of the Indians, came to a place in the gray hills where the signs of encampment were unmistakable. War drums were throbbing somewhere in the distance, and the howling of dogs, never failing evidence of an Indian camp, rent the air from time to time. They must be in the hollow beneath those hills to the north. Ah, I'm back in village. Me no place good. We'll leave our horses tied here and go on foot. Quiet, scout. Quiet, lad. Me tired. Me go here. So. Ready, Toto? Ah. Slowly, almost silently, the Lone Ranger and Tonto crept to a spot where they were able to look down on the Indian village below. All the Indians seemed to be gathered around a huge bonfire, 50 or more yards away from the long line of teepees. Only a few braves were on guard, and they stood before one of the two Hogans at the end of the camp. The Hogans were large buildings, long and low in height. They were made of tree trunks, branches, and mud, and in the darkness loomed like two great mounds. But the Lone Ranger and Tonto concentrated on the dancing Indians. The warriors reeled around the fire in drunken frenzy, shouting and waving heavy sticks. Oh, Sabi, yes. Me no dance and do. It bad for prisoners. Them, <clears throat> them have to run gauntlet. They'll have to run the gauntlet and be clubbed or stoned. Uh, it happened before soldiers come. Dance last maybe hour, not more, not much more. Which means the men and women they've captured will be dead unless unless. Tonto, straight down beside the tree with his back turned. Uh, him Indian brave. Him act as lookout. We're going to take him, Tonto. Take him and the outfit he's wearing. I'm going to dress as an Indian. Together, we're going down into that camp. sentinel was watching the dance below when he heard a sound to his left. He turned quickly, raising his rifle. He saw another Indian appear out of the darkness, and his arm began to descend. As Tonto moved in on him, the lone ranger from behind brought his gun butt crashing down on the skull of the guard. Before his body reached the ground, Tonto caught the warrior and began to strip him of his feathers and his doe-skin trousers. Minutes later, after they had bound and gagged the sentinel, the lone ranger, his bare waist and chest made dark by mud and the juice of berries from a nearby bush, followed Tonto downward toward the Indian village. He wore the doeskin trousers, his hair was pulled down over his eyes, and a beaded band with feathers encircled his forehead. His own clothes had been rolled into a bundle and were hanging from Silver's leather saddle. A short distance from the camp, they tied their horses to trees in the wooded lowland. They reached the outskirts of the encampment without further incident. Although the only guards I can see are those by the two adjoining buildings at the far end of the camp, the Hogan's. Do you think that's where they're holding the prisoners? Maybe. Maybe Indians keep guns in one Hogan. Them always do that when them dance. I wonder. There are no guns in front of the teepees. Toto, we're going to learn what's in those Hogan's. Which one we go to first? The last one. The one at the far end. Follow me. Phantoms, the Lone Ranger and Tonto leaped from the shadows at the two Indians guarding the rear of the building at the far end of camp. With lightning swiftness, their guns thudded against the shaven skulls of the red men. 
Quickly, the Braves were tied and gagged, dragged into the Hogan, and left in a vacant corner. Tonto had guessed right. The Indians had left their guns in this building before beginning the ceremonial dances. There were hundreds of rifles stacked in rows within the low, foul-smelling building. Tonto, the prisoners must be in the other Hogan. We'll use these guns if we can. But first, we must make sure we have the men to fire them. Lone Ranger and Tonto left the building and walked towards the guards in front of the adjoining Hogan. They pretended to be staggering towards the bonfire, but as they passed the sentinels, they pounced upon the <laughs> One Indian started to yell, but the Lone Ranger's rock-like fist sent him plummeting to the earth. Tonto, we'll pull these two inside the building. Let's get inside quickly. The white prisoners inside the Hogan had not attempted to escape not knowing that only two Indians were guarding the entire building. When they saw two Indians drag two unconscious red men into the building, they were wide-eyed. As one of the Indians, the Lone Ranger in disguise, turned to them, Will Schroeder spoke. Listen, you filthy redskins. I don't know whether you understand what I say. I understand you. you... I'm not an Indian. I'm your friend. We've come to rescue you. Indian friend Toto and I. You're a white man? Let me ask the questions, please. Can you men handle guns? We sure can. The women can, too. We'd have held off those savages if we'd had a chance to defend ourselves. And listen, there are guns in the building next to this one, hundreds of them. Otto will lead you to them. The Indians are still dancing. We get guns easy if all move quiet. We'll move quietly. But what do we do when we get into this next building? Stay inside and have your guns ready when I give the signal to use them. Stranger, my name's Will Schroeder. I was leader of this group. Now, what will the signal be? When you hear the war dance stop and a cry go up. When you see the tents in front of the camp burst into flame... What do you mean? What are you going to do? Never mind. Just follow Tonto and get the guns. You come with me. All right. Come on, As the Lone Ranger in his Indian costume stepped into the night once more, he headed for the bonfire and the howling mob that chanted, shouted, and danced around the flames that sent on earthly tongues of color streaking heavenward through the silver-tinged blackness. At the far end of the fire, sitting next to Chief Big Stone, renegades Miles Claber and Rafe Allen began to grow restive. The red-headed, scar-faced man put aside the jug he had held to his mouth and turned to his white companion. Rafe, I got enough of this. Let's tell the chief to get the party going. Yeah, first thing you know, it'll be getting dawn. I'm tired. Hey, what? Hey, who's that engine? What do you do that for? I didn't see. I wasn't looking. Yeah, one of them just run through the mob, grabbed two flaming branches in the fire, and ran back through the mob again. He probably had too much. Chief... Big Stone, what's the matter? Rafe, who go to fire? Not my tribe. Him crazy, see? Hey, Rafe, look, back where the teepees are. He's using the branches to set fire to him. Hang on, Nolly! Hey, Miles, he is crazy. Look, he's running toward the gun, Hogan. Rafe, go mad, set fire to teepees. We'll get him, Chief. Come on, Rafe. Longa, longa. The Lone Ranger, using the burning branches as a torch, had set fire to the grease-soaked tents as he ran back through the street of the camp. He shouted to the men in the gun hogan. Come on! Come on! Follow him! And within a split second, the settlers, armed and shooting, emerged with guns flashing. Crawl out on the ground. Keep shooting. Only a few of them have guns. Don't give them a chance. Oh, we'll take him, mister. We've got enough guns to hold him off till doomsday. Keep us hunting. Me right now, meet soldier. Yes, Toto. I'll look after things here. Look at them fall. They're going down like flies under a swat. I got that one. Keep your men and down, Will. Down. Keep down and aim straight. Ah! 
surprised by the onslaught and befuddled by their ceremonial drinking, fell like standing targets before the expert marksmanship of the freed prisoners. Miles Kleber and Ruth Allen, in a panic at the turn of events, ran to where Chief Big Stone shouted orders to his brave... Chief, what's the matter with you, men? They're not fighting. Them got no guns. Guns all in Hogan. Well, tell them to rush in on them fellas and take what guns are left in the Hogan. Many die. Too many now. Me want kill white men when we take them. You say no. I said no. Not to kill them when we captured them because we had to have revenge. Killing's not enough. Them take guns while we dance. You want dance. I wanted the gauntlet dance. Yeah, they wouldn't let us. Shut have... mouth. You not brother. You kill my brother so you die. You both die. Die? Hey, Miles, he means it. He's going to kill us. Look, he's got his tomahawk out. Look behind you, Miles. Five of them. Run, they got their tomahawks. They're going to... Chief, they killed Rafe. Don't let them... Ah, them's dead. We dead, too. We fight more. Can't fight without guns. Bearhawk. Wave cloth. Tell white men we not fight no more. Them got guns, we not. Tell them we not fight no more. Dawn streaked the sky when Tottle, riding beside Major Ingram, led the company of soldiers from Fort Taylor down to the ground where the teepees had been a few hours before. Will Schroeder stood at the head of the triumphant group that greeted the soldiers. Major Ingram looked on the scene with undisguised bewilderment. Daddy boy! Why, this is... Tell me, what's happened here? They've surrendered, Major. You take over from here. Dismount! Take prisoners! This is a miracle. I don't understand it. How did it happen? It's unbelievable, Major. And yet, now that it has happened, it seems simple. That man did it. He was dressed like an Indian. But now he's inside that tent over there, changing into his regular clothes that he hid somewhere around here. Will! Will, look! Look who was with the soldiers asleep in the supply wagon. And... I came with the soldiers. I found them, and they found you. Oh, damn. And, darling, oh. and you're alive. We thought a you were... A man with a mask found me. Oh, he was so nice. He was with an Indian, Daddy. Oh, look! Mommy, Daddy, there he is now, over there. Oh, yes, I see him. He's getting on a horse. We brought his horse along with us on the way here. Tonto, that's his Indian Fred beside him, knew where it was hidden. It was the Indian who helped him when he freed us. But that mask he's wearing, I don't understand. He's riding away, Will. Major, they're both riding away. Well, we want to thank him for what he's done. We must. He saved our daughter and he saved our lives. And he'll continue to save other lives in the days to come as he has in the past. He's the man who will save the West. Oh, look, Mommy. He's waving his hat at us. He's waving goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye. mister. Goodbye. Oh, what a beautiful horse and a fine rider. Major, who is he? Why, he's the Lone Ranger.
This is a feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated, created by George W. Trendle, produced by Trendle Campbell Enterprises, directed by Charles D. Livingston, and edited by Fran Stryker. The part of the Lone Ranger is played by Brace Beamer. Brace Beamer.